Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it is newsmakers and in the spotlight. But first, we start things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, the 3rd of November. That's November 4th if you're joining us on our radio program. I'm John Van Trieste and here in the studio with me today is Leslie Liao. Hi, John. In just a moment, we're going to be telling you about the unusual bid that a Taiwanese uh, former math professor, I believe, uh, has uh, chosen in a bid to spread numeracy and and mathematical awareness also we're going to be telling you about uh donation taiwan recently made to the vatican to help refugees and taiwan names and shames some of its slowest drivers all that coming up next please stick around We're going to start with the story that's been making the most waves here in Taiwan. Uh, surfers, internet surfers on a well-known <laughs> porn website found uh, something they probably weren't expecting. Unless they got some kind of a... Entertainment, John. A, a sort of a, a math fetish, I guess. Uh, that's videos about calculus. Uh, yeah, would you believe it? Um, this adult website has been popular for the calculus industry would you believe it or it's not a series of calculus lectures yeah why did, who is this professor and why did he decide to put his lectures there so he's from ntnu national and taiwan normal university na- yeah it's and very he, unnormal for someone from a normal university oh to that's do. uh this is this is a doozy of a story okay and um there's many layers to it but this math professor because apparently the pandemic has made online the online learning industry very competitive. Okay. So with traditional you know outlets like you expect uh, the Khan these Academy, learning videos to YouTube, be on like the great YouTube, courses, he says he couldn't make any headway into it, and uh, he was really struggling, man. And he was thinking this guy deserves a. This guy deserves like something in marketing, like the Nobel Prize in marketing, because he was thinking. Does he though? That seems like a, not knowing your audience. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, he was just like, well, who are my, who is my target audience? And he was like, my target audience are students, right? Uh, okay. Mostly college students. So he's just like, what are college students doing? He's like, they might, they might be surfing adult entertainment websites. Okay. So he uploaded his calculus. Um, informational like lecture videos to this adult entertainment website with the hashtags like classroom and students which are uh, okay okay which are 
popular search terms, okay. I want to say. Um, if you're looking for a, something very specific on these websites. Everyone has their niches. And uh, at first, like, this drew international attention because they're just like, what is this guy? Like, he's teaching us calculus on this website that we don't expect it. However, he says it's been very good for his business. But, but really, like, wouldn't you think, like, people just kind of skip ahead? Like, where does no. the, the action begin? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He was just like, uh, he's drawn thousands of viewers and... Is he, he like the most trending star? He on is one of the most. He's one of the. He's one of the most <laughs> trending stars right now, right? Because um, does he have these take his shirt off or something? No, let me loosen my tie a little it's bit. It's just him in front of the. Uh, it's it's just him in front of a whiteboard in front of a camera, just teaching you. In Isaac Chinese Newton's calculus, yeah, in Chinese. Oh, and and in English actually, in in, in English. So as if you're well. into into if you have a thing for uh, integrals or. <laughs> And yeah, like and this is the most wild thing. And get this, he he, he was just like these free uh, lectures on this website have drawn more traffic to his paid lectures, and he's making around two hundred. So someone has a real like thing for like math. I guess Except so, <laughs> because he's making a quarter of a million U.S. dollars a year right what? now. Just, and most of that comes from these this lecture series. He, he was saying this lecture series. It wasn't until after that he How, posted. Is he like it. very mesmerizing? Like what's special about them that people click on them and the, then go, "Oh, I guess I'll keep watching." John, this looks like a this just looks like a classroom, man. It, it it's not even much of a classroom. It's he's not even using a whiteboard. He's so, using a blackboard. So is he going to follow up with a, a new series called a Naughty Differential Equations? Like. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe you should go work for this guy. He's got about roughly 230 videos. Okay. And I guess his branding is very consistent because he's, he's, he has a trademark gray hoodie. And anytime you have a trademark gray hoodie, especially on like <laughs> these websites. Uh, I don't get it. Like that, that just seems like, like no, the sort of place where people who are interested in calculus probably don't hang out, spend much time hanging out. No, um, it's, 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 it's all there. And, uh, the specific figure is 268,000 a year, 268,000 US dollars a year. He's got 230 videos, 1.9 million. I, mean, I don't views. get it. Like, is this some sort of ASMR type of a thing? Is he, does he have a soothing voice? Like why? John, it doesn't seem like the right place for it. Your guess is as good as mine, man. But I think you were right. I think he was. His thinking was right in that. I don't. I don't know. Like I'm thinking about someone's like, what is this calculus? And then all of a sudden they're just like, ooh, calculus. Oh, <laughs> calculus. <laughs> okay. Now we're now we're getting somewhere. Uh, he said that not all adult video platforms allowed his teaching videos. Oh, he tried some others. He so he tried, has got like an OnlyFans or he something. Tried like several. And then he says there are some that just don't accept non-adult clips, which that's, is... That's strange. Like, the, usually it's the other way around. And he started a trend, apparently, John. His fellow tutors are now also uploading their lectures to adult video websites. That's and interesting. Yeah, and then he says, this is a top business secret. And what I can only tell you is that it will no longer just be me in the videos. And um, because he says he needs to pivot, he's... Um, his trademark i guess his motto or his slogan is play hard study hard mm. this guy is a real uh like i said there's a lot more i don't know it's 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 a quarter of a million us dollars john a year we could all be doing much worse true uh the paid lectures are i, I don't know I don't next, next he'll be doing like non-Euclidean geometry. John, should we be doing here in Taiwan on these <laughs> things? Like uh, that's that's my question. I mean, should we? He's 34 years old, and then 
Making a quarter million of dollars a year from lectures posted. That's he's interesting. Only three years older than I am. My goodness. And he's doing all of this. And people are enrolling in his paid platform. So, like, they're that's, obviously. That's such an odd. Getting some kind of stimulation. Something from out of it, it. That they. Going so far as to pay Is for it. Is he just, like, it. really hot? He just looks. He looks like. My math teacher, professorial, dude. Yeah, professorial, looks, a gray hoodie. Some people may have a thing for pro- the professorial type. It's so know. crazy. I don't know. Like, like he's he's just like this day would come. People getting intrigued, and um, he said this is just a strat- marketing strategy. He never thought it was supposed to blow up. Is it full up. of like like um. I don't know, double entendres, like, let's find the area under this curve. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty good at the double entendres, right? Given his slogan, like, okay, play, play okay. hard, study hard. And then he was using... So maybe there's a comedic element to it. There is definitely a comedic element to it. But, like, you know, you get your laughs out of it. I would be like, oh, that's funny, a, a calculus on this kind of website. But I wouldn't go to, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sign up Yeah, no. For... I, I, ha- I had enough trouble with algebra, too. I had so. not touched... I have not touched calculus for... I didn't even make it that far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see... Jen Dolari says, arithmophile, how sexy. I'm, I'm sure that there are people, I mean, there's something for everyone. Isn't there like somebody's somebody's law, which is that if there's a thing you can think of, somebody's made a porn video about it. Oh, is I think, uh, oh, that's the, a rule. There's That's a rule of some sort. It says internet law. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an internet. Does anybody know Jen Dolari? <laughs> you guys got to, we, we got to tap in here. But Douglas North says, whatever gets people learning, but... Yeah, I guess so, huh? I guess how many people have been derailed from their original plan into diverted into an interest in the calculus? I would really I don't know. The great, the, the great courses could really uh, learn a thing or two from this guy. It sounds Statistic- like mixing things up a little bit. Yeah, master class is about to get in on this, man. <laughs> get he's very sweaty. It's uh, it, <laughs> oh no. Get mama her smelling salts. No, no. So like this is so is is this blown up over the internet too? That's I, so bizarre. I saw like some some memes on this, and then I did. I never realized it was a guy from Taiwan, right? Really? The, yeah, I, I never. I never real. There were memes on this before, like popping up all over the internet. They're just like people were just like on this website, and they're just like, "What is going on here?" They're just like, "Wow, these um." But people's per- it is a real thing because it's been on every news platform in Taiwan that I've seen in the last few days. Yeah. And uh, you know, all of the it's been in uh, some the English language press here in Taiwan has has lapped it up, but I think it's been on like I've seen it on TV. Well, yeah, it's been on TV news. And uh, since we've covered the talk this of the town topic, John, I think we're losing viewers. I think people are going over. They're going to go check see, out uh, his arithmetic. They're well, going to check. They're going to stay ch- with us for a moment. <laughs> they're going to check his math, John. Well, in the Northern Hemisphere, winter's on its way, and Taiwan has made a very nice donation uh, to refugees in Europe through the help of our ally, the Vatican, our only ally in Europe. These are custom-made down jackets and eco-friendly bags, Mm. face masks, and hats to keep uh, refugees warm. Uh, They're at the Villa Serena, which is a place in Rome that sounds like a... Villa Serena it sounds like a it five-star hotel, like a, but yeah, that's a place where uh, ref- it's a shelter for women and children. Much, probably a lot less glamorous than it sounds, but they're trying to keep them warm through the upcoming uh, winter. And uh, they, in typical Taiwanese fashion, did their homework and uh, they they studied like the information such as the gender, age, and the measurements, like size requirements of oh, every wow. every person who was getting one. So 
Everyone got one, including the youngest was 10 months old baby girl. Oh, this is all custom made stuff. Yeah, uh, mm. hopefully in Taiwan. I don't know. Um, and the ambassador to the, the Vatican said that, uh, you know, the COVID-19 has changed the lives of many. But one thing that's unchanged in Taiwan is the help drive to help others. And uh, the Facebook page of the embassy in the Vatican wrote that it hopes that people from countries like Afghanistan, Syria, Cameroon and Romania can feel the warmth coming from Taiwan. I mm. like that because um, we don't often get opportunities to help like that. No. Uh, and um, I think anything like uh, what is it called? Uh, not UNESCO. UNICEF. UNICEF. <laughs> We're not allowed to be a part of any of those organizations. No, so not this is a very. Well, like we do get access into the WTO, right? But like, no, limited... but UNICEF is for children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A humanitarian stuff. Yeah, we've usually got to do that on our own. I used to go around with the trick or treating yeah, boxes yeah, for yeah, UNICEF, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and uh, so the director of the shelter said the donation was organized uh, was originally scheduled for earlier in the month ahead of National Day, but because of a COVID case, they had to. It would have been nice to for them to have gotten it on Taiwan's National Day, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had to shut the whole place down for disinfection and quarantine, but the donations did arrive in time for winter. Uh, this is a fairly new refuge. I didn't know that the Vatican took in refugees. I didn't know that either. They're too small. There's, there's no space, but they have tiny. this building, this shelter that was established in October just last year to house single refugee women uh, and underage refugees who I think are especially vulnerable. There are about 60 people living there right now. And uh, yeah, so everyone is nice and to- toasty warm through the winter thanks to Taiwan. Yeah, I did, I, you know what? I don't imagine the Vatican being a very cold place. I mean, it's in, it's in Europe. It's... Then again, I don't really think about the Vatican all that often. Well, I think it's also important because there's been a lot of talk lately, a little chitter chatter. Mm. Although that's been going on for years about they may ditch us for China. Yeah, at that point, at this point, this is like pretty commonplace, right? They're just saying because like the Vatican says they want to set up something in, in, in China. But then like Honduras has also been in the news. Yeah, they want to cut ties. Everyone just, uh, there's a lot of chitter-chatter Everybody's about Everybody's lining up to so cut Taiwan ties So Taiwan has to constantly show that, like, we can make a difference where it counts. Well, we've given custom down jackets, which is pretty nice. Like, I've, I've never gotten anything custom-made for me. Well, not that I haven't given myself or out of a donation. <laughs> anyway, that's really sweet. I, I, it's good to know that we're helping refugees, uh, especially uh, since we're not really able to take many in. Uh, there's been talk about uh, re- reviewing our laws. Mm-hmm. But like things of like claiming asylum here is very legally. The last time that conversation it's... came up was with with the Hong, Hong Kong, Kong national people. security yeah. law, right? And I don't think that they ever sorted it out. I don't think so. They, that keep, just, they kinda... just say everyone's there's no standardized way of getting asylum here. You've got to um, take it on a case by case basis, which is very confusing and time consuming. I remember no... writing that because the premier kept saying it's a case by case basis. It's a case by case basis. But at least in places that do have lots of refugees, uh, we're able to lend a helping hand. Gotcha. Well, usually it's the speedsters on the road that get named and shamed with those, whether they're caught in speed cameras or pulled over by the police. But in Taiwan, at least on one stretch of road, quite the opposite is the case. It's the slow drivers that are getting in trouble. John, I got a horse in this race because I do go to Elon sometimes and I do go through this. The tunnel. It's a tunnel. Yeah. It's a, actually a series of tunnels around 12 kilometers long. It's the longest tunnel I've ever been in. It's 7.58. It's, uh, sorry, it's, it's, it's like how many miles is it? It doesn't say, but it's 12 kilometers. It's 12 kilometers, and it takes like, if you were doing what we did as kids and went tunnel. Oh. I don't know if you ever did that as a kid, but uh, as you went through the tunnel. Yeah, you would pass out. 
no, in this well, case. Well, we had friends. I had friends who came to Taiwan, and I took them through that tunnel. And there's a lot it, of tunnels leading just, up to that place, It just right? keeps going. And then they, what they do is they hold their breath when they go through a tunnel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, we did something like that as kids, too. And yeah, they, you, you, no, not going to work. They're just like, I'm going to hold my breath when I go through this tunnel. And knowing, and me knowing that this 12-kilometer tunnel is coming up. It just keeps going. And there's a real problem with people with traffic there, which is why they want people to move along yeah. at a steady race. There's actually a minimum speed limit in there. This is one of the, this is one of the few places that'll just tell you, just like, you got to keep it moving. you yeah, got to keep it moving. Because you've got a 12, you're looking at a 12-kilometer backlog yeah traffic jam otherwise and they're saying the freeway bureau disclosed the license plate numbers of the top 10 drivers who have driven below the speed limit can they do that is that do we have not have privacy laws that about is, this yeah, sort of this thing is very, this is public well, at shaming at least they didn't give away their name yeah this well is, you could probably look that up then again i wouldn't like to open the news one day and see my license plate on there john mm. uh they say the minimum speed limit inside said tunnel is 70 kilometers per hour um, and to and they just got to keep things going, especially on the weekends. That's like the only thoroughfare into the East Coast. There, yeah, it's like a, for for Taipei to access pretty much the entire East Coast of Taiwan. Yeah. It's the quickest way, the most direct route. Yeah. Otherwise, the only alternative, the old way before the tunnel opened, that's still there, but f- not built for heavy traffic. It's mountains, and it's man. Hairpin turns. Yeah. Uh, this just takes you straight beneath, underneath the t- mountains. Yeah. So, so what people want is um. So they said approximately 7.58 million vehicles drove through the northbound lanes of that of this tunnel between January to September of this year. Pretty much all on Sundays, I'm guessing. That's when the traffic back to Taipei piles up. Pretty much. And they say 75,000 drivers of those 7.58 million were warned by the system for driving too slowly. So here's the interesting thing about that that this tunnel. If you have the radio on and you're inside that tunnel, that tunnel can uh, can. It, it can hijack your system. Oh, yeah. really? It can hijack your system and just start talking to you. And it's freaky like that. <laughs> has, has, has it ever spoken to you, Leslie? It's, it hasn't, but it, except for telling me that, you know, you're driving too slow. Anyway, uh, 15,000 were warned twice or more. Is, and this, they say, hmm? is this warning because they were caught in a traffic jam and couldn't move? No, it's because they... Traffic jams, of course, right? They Everybody happen all the time. They there. happen all the time. Uh, they said the top 10 slow drivers in the tunnel minimum speed uh, 14 times. They were warned 14 times. So this is like a chronic slow driver. Oh. Uh, and they said the, the number one, you know, person who ranked were, was warned 20 times. 20 times. Yeah. So you, this is like you're going way too slow. And they're saying uh, if you drive below the minimum speed limit uh, when there's no congestion on the freeway, you can face a fine of 300 to 600 that's, that's, I know that there are some places in the States, I think it was in Michigan, that was the first time I ever saw a minimum speed limit. But mostly, um, yeah, you never hear of people getting tickets for driving too that's, slow. Yeah, it's usually, like you it's said, the other it's the speedsters, right? And uh, so that's that's what's going on in this in, in this Shisan tunnel. <laughs> I mean, it drives me nuts, too. It drives me nuts because you can't change lanes. And it's, no. only, a two-way, it's only a two-way tunnel. Right. So it gets really, really... Like, I am a patient. I, I like to think I'm a patient driver. I don't know. But sometimes when I'm, like, behind a car that's just going slow, it just it drives me nuts, mm. John. Uh, well, uh, I guess uh, it pays to drive quickly here in Taiwan, huh? Definitely. I mean, no, that's, like, the thing. Like, people will honk you <laughs> if you're going too slow. I've been honked in the slow lane. Uh, of And it was a truck. It was a cargo truck. That honked me. I was just like, this guy needs to slow down. His car weighs at least five to seven times more than mine. And he was just leaning on the horn when I was in the slow lane. I was just like, what is this guy's trail rush?
Lithuania, Slovakia, Poland, and the Czech Republic lately, Taiwan's been making a lot of new friends in Eastern and Central Europe, and Hungary, fingers crossed, may be the next one. Mm. Currently, the country is described in this article as very much in Beijing's orbit, but uh, that's mostly because the president of Hungary likes seems to be in sort of uh, friendly towards Beijing. Not everyone in Hungary feels the same way, though, and the Budapest mayor's Budapest's mayor Gergely Karacsony is making waves and trying to uh, maybe change things a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you remember seeing this, but in uh, it was maybe like June last year or June this year. Thousands of people uh, protested in Budapest against a plan to establish a satellite campus of Shanghai's Fudan University, which would have, according to the BBC, cost more than the entire government's 2019 budget for higher education. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Karatoni is an opposition figure, and he wanted to uh, do away with this plan. And the way he did it was very John Oliver. He renamed streets nearby with names that Beijing would not like. Uh, there was, I think it was Free Tibet... What was it? Free Tibet da- Sorry, Dai Lama Street, Free Hong Kong Road, and Uyghur Martyrs Road. Um, those were the streets that were renamed in the Hungarian capital. I can capital. imagine it's pretty effective. Um, yeah, uh, he seems to think that uh, maybe China isn't quite so popular in Hungary as, as it may appear at first. Uh, in a recent email, he talked up the potential for increased exchanges between Taiwan and Hungary. Uh, he said that he believes a lot of Hungarians are critical about uh, actions in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and the South China Sea. Uh, so he was elected in 2019, but uh, he recently withdrew as a, in a race for prime minister. Uh, and it said that news, he said new studies show that half of Hungarians were critical with China, with another 25% undecided or hesitant. Oh, hesitant but toward China? Or? Uh, yeah, uncertain. Uh, he, I mean, the, he's an opposition figure, and mm. the ruling party seems to have a very firm grip on the country. But should the ruling party, current ruling party, lose an election next year, the mayor says that uh, any new government should support Taiwan's participation in group in organizations like the WHO and the International Civil Aviation Organization. It's something about those Central and Eastern European countries who've they're really turning around, lived under communism, and been satellites of larger neighbors. Because I remember the mayor of Prague was a huge proponent of Taiwan. Right, too. it still is. Yeah, uh, and the head of the Czech Senate. Uh, but he, I think he turned it around. Like at a time when the Czech were and just like. To be clear, this mayor of Budapest is not totally is not anti-China per se. He says he Hungary has quote rightfully rightfully cultivated a closer relationship with China since the fall of the Berlin Wall, but he doesn't like the fact that the relationship doesn't is massively scaled up and doesn't allow for any criticism of China. It's human rights record, it's unilateral actions or what he calls violations of international norms. So he doesn't believe that uh the what's called the eastern opening mm. this close tightening of ties with China is very popular among Hungarians, even, he says, among pro-government voters. And he says that, you know, education, technology and digitalization and environmental protection are all areas where Hungary would would like to have more cooperation with Taiwan. And he wants more Taiwanese visitors. Budapest is, it looks like a very lovely city. It'd be nice to have them on our roster of friends. It would be nice. I mean, I, I think Prague is a, is a huge... Uh, people like to go to Prague now because they know the yeah. mayor is friendly, and that and and the Prague mayor he he I remember when he was one of the first voices to really thank Taiwan when because I remember t- uh, Taiwan donated medical supplies right. to Prague specifically and because the, he was so Taiwan the, friendly, and then the Czech Republic probably at his with some nudging from him gave us vaccine donations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So COVID this vaccines. is all turning around. This is happening, man, from Central and Eastern Europe. Who knew? Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't a place that was on my radar for a, 
friendly shift towards I'll Taiwan. Take but it. hopefully uh, this comes it. up because Taiwanese people are grateful for these this kind of friendship. Uh, I spoke last week to uh, a Lithuanian chocolate manufacturer, mm. Curious John, last week, and tune in and find out more about that. But uh, yeah, people are buying up tons of Lithuanian beer, chocolate, biscuits, and other products from neighboring countries. I think as well. I've been on out a, of gratitude. I've been on a quest to find some Lithuanian beer. I've not been able to find a single can. It's been pretty hard. Yeah, I haven't seen it. People recently sweep either. it up. I I don't know. I was like, I, you, you tell me where where to find it. Uh, I go. It's not there. I haven't seen it recently myself either, okay. though. Just so, making sure. Um, yeah, I think Taiwanese people, if Hungary want Hungarian brands, want a new market because uh, there's not a whole lot of Hungarian stuff for sale here. I don't think so. No, I know that's Taiwan is the way to go. They will remember. They will remember. They will yeah. never forget a slight, but always remember a friendly gesture. That's there we what go. Taiwanese people do. That's a good way to put it. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks for everyone who left a comment or tuned in and we'll see you again soon up next though don't go anywhere just yet because up next it is highlights and in the spotlight Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I spoke with the creator of a petition who called on John Oliver to do a segment on Taiwan on his HBO show last week tonight. Now, if you didn't know, John Oliver did a segment on Taiwan two Sundays ago, and I asked the petition's creator, Jenna Lynn Cody, for her reaction on the segment. This is coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. I want to know, um, don't water this down for me, how ecstatic were you when you saw that episode happen. I saw so a friend mentioned, like just sent me a message saying, oh my God, he's doing it. And I started shouting to my husband, now, 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 he's actually doing it, you know? I spent those few minutes just sort of riveted to my couch, but we watched it again later that evening. And um, I, I had to get up and walk around. I was so excited. Was it everything you imagined or did it leave something to be desired? Did he hit all the points? Sure, I mean, I was really pleased with the piece, so I think it was done really competently, and I mean, to be frank, it was more than I expected. The overall messaging that the Taiwanese people should get to decide their own fate, and that the way that Taiwan is treated so weirdly by the international community, they were so eloquent, and they really hit the messaging spot on. Did it have everything I would have liked? No. But nothing is perfect, you know. You're never going to have that perfect segment in your mind. Uh, one example is, I don't care about John Cena, but I see why they went with that. I mean, I think that's a um, commercial decision. People in America know who that guy is, and it, it matters. I Overall, I was really, really, really pleased with it. Um, I thought the history lesson was useful and accurate. And I was thrilled to see them use a clip from Karis Templeman because he's just very clear and explains a complex subject extremely well. I'm sure now that a lot of people who maybe didn't have a lot of reason to know about Taiwan before, you know, they weren't necessarily going to watch an interview with President Tsai on CNN, but they'll tune into John Oliver. And those are kind of the people, the mainstreamers that 
I wanted to reach. And we did that with the right message. Was there a moment in time where you were watching John Oliver's show and you're just like, he's the guy. He's 100% the guy to tackle this topic. I was up late one night, two, three in the morning, thinking about this Taiwan bubble. All of us who write about Taiwan were read by people who already care about Taiwan. So I thought, who could reach a more mainstream audience who doesn't already have a reason to care, who can handle sensitive and difficult topics in a fun, digestible way that people will watch? And I thought, oh, well, John Oliver, and he's already talked about these other issues in the region and done what I thought was a very good and competent job. And it didn't start with a petition, it started with a Facebook page. Um, and the idea of that was to use the name of the page to comment on their social media. Jenna Cody commenting on last week tonight, nobody cares. But a page called John Oliver Should Do an Episode About Taiwan commenting on last week tonight, somebody might notice that. Run me through the process of uh, like starting the petition. I'm sure there's a lot of varying opinions, especially with uh, an issue as complex and as multi-layered as Taiwan. Honestly, huge support. There were some detractors. A few people thought it was helpful to voice their opinion on John Oliver's show, saying, oh, I don't like John Oliver, I think he's insufferable, or I just don't care for it. And my reaction to that was, who cares? The point was to get Taiwan in front of the mainstream, mostly liberal audience that he attracts. I think the way he approaches issues is fine. I think that he understands there is an establishment and he has to work not within it per se, but he's a, he criticizes it, and that's good enough for me. My goal here is specifically to reach liberals, because a lot of discourse on Taiwan in the U.S. is taken over by conservatives, and I do want Taiwan to be a bipartisan issue. I'm not saying I don't want that support, but it makes it seem like Taiwan is a right-wing issue, which might turn lefties or you know liberals against Taiwan, and I certainly don't want that. A longer, more complete version of my interview with Jenna will be up on Facebook and YouTube. We talk about how she deals with internet trolls and why she's so invested in talking about Taiwan. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. When will Taiwan open up its borders? Well, that's a difficult question with a lot of answers depending on what you define as open and who those borders might be open to. Health Minister Chen Shizhong says health authorities won't consider relaxing quarantine rules until 70% of the population has had one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, with at least 60% fully vaccinated. So when will that be? Well, Taiwan is already at 70% with one dose, so that target gets a tick. But right now, only 30% of people are fully vaccinated. The government says it will work towards reaching 60% by the end of the year. Is that realistic? Well, in the month of October, the percentage of people fully vaccinated has gone from 12% to 30%. At that rate, Taiwan's population could hit its target of getting 60% of people fully vaccinated in about 45 days, or a month and a half. So that puts us somewhere in mid-December. 
But bear in mind that's just a ballpark estimate that assumes that the rate of second vaccination stays constant, which might not be the case. So far, Health Minister Chen Shizong has stayed tight-lipped about what changes could come in, but it looks like something is going to have to give when it comes to Lunar New Year. Chen says at least 31,000 people are set to come back to Taiwan at the end of January to celebrate the holiday with their families. The problem is, quarantine facilities are already almost at capacity. So where do people quarantine if everywhere is booked up? Well, health authorities say they're looking into a few different alternatives. One would be to allow some form of home quarantine. Another would be to shorten the quarantine period. The third option would be to waive quarantine entirely for certain travellers. And the final option authorities are discussing is issuing a temporary ban on entry for certain foreigners to free up space for returning Taiwanese. Chen says authorities are more likely to shorten the quarantine period or waive the quarantine requirement after the Lunar New Year. Now, the Central Epidemic Command Center is due to give its report on the Lunar New Year in the next week or so. So, till then, we'll just have to wait and see. pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Yi Qiao, or Joyce Hong, is the founder of Journey by Chinese as an online Chinese language instructor. So her interest is teaching Chinese to foreigners. She is also currently at Penn State University as a visiting program scholar teaching Chinese. She honestly has a beautiful voice, and I love to hear her talk. Let's hear what more she has to say about her career. You were really doing all the classes online or there were some one-on-one face-to-face? So when I located in the U.S. or like right now or India, I went to India for one year. Like I teach face-to-face to the students at the universities. Okay. But I also have the, I also created this Journey by Chinese Online because I want to reach out to more people. Yeah. So I think I'm doing this both at the same time. I have some students face-to-face okay. where like if uh, where I base on and then the other way is I teach online to reach to more uh, Chinese language learning students. Have any of the foreigners in Taiwan, you know, because some yeah. are probably businessmen, kind of asked you to be their interpreter when they, you know, held meetings with Taiwanese people or something? Did they ever? Being an interpreter, it's uh, what like some... Uh, some events or activities I did when I was oh, in college. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like as the Chinese language learning students, I I didn't encounter to this question, but they would tell me uh, they would tell me what's the problems they have encountered. So mm-hmm. for example, they are buying a motorcycle here in Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, for example, like uh, they don't know how to say in Chinese where is a washroom. 
right. or like oh and then like for example they need to rent a house here in Taiwan so what's all this conversation or what's the website I should be you know I should look for so those are the conversations like they will come to me and then I, I will help them and then build like what they need for the class materials for them oh so you don't yeah. like go in between like help them out like let's say they're at a motorcycle shop mm. and they want to get a motorcycle and they don't know how to say it so then they got you on the phone to tell cool. you know the <laughs> shopkeeper what you what he yeah. wants no you don't do that no no yeah, okay. so far i didn't encounter to the students like clap but i did her like this kind of like just as why you say like this kind of uh conversation or this help like interpreter assistance like going on on some of the Chinese uh, language learning uh, scenario like uh-huh. I did heard some teachers like share this thoughts like it becomes like oh I'm actually like your mom or your assistant uh, not, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. not a teacher well I was more thinking about like you know maybe asking you to be the interpreter when they're having a business meeting you know with a, a Taiwanese company or Taiwanese client yeah. Or things like that, but I guess you're just strict teaching Chinese to the foreigners themselves, mm. right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so, how different do you think it is teaching Chinese to uh, in Taiwan as opposed to teaching Chinese in the states? So uh, I would say the students, like they are already located in Taiwan, like they have so many advantages. Yeah. Like to really go to a restaurant, like to really have build a communication with the local people. So I would use uh, uh, this students like. Uh, I would take this advantage when they are really located in Taiwan because mm. like after class, I might just give them a task, say, okay, so we're talking about food today. So your one of your tasks for today is you are going to, uh, you know, a first stand to order a food. You're telling them like, I want a bowl of uh, noodles or I eat one meat like that. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a real task for them, you know, uh-huh. but like, when it comes to the U.S., like, I need to be more creative. Yeah. I need to be, like, I need to create more scenarios for my students here. Oh, so yeah. because they don't, they don't have, like, opportunity to, like, you know, even, like, they don't have Chinese or Taiwanese friends here. Yeah. So I am, I become the only resources for them. So I need to create, like, a different contest, different scenarios, and then let them to practice in classes. Mm. But it's still not that authentic, you know, if yeah. they are in Taiwan. So, sure. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be an adjustment. <laughs> Is there a Chinatown in Utah? <laughs> Uh, so the year, I think 2020, they have a Chinatown in Utah. Okay. And then like now I'm in Pennsylvania or oh, right. I'm just yeah. in, yeah, I'm in state college town. There's lots of, they don't have a Chinatown here, but they do have lots of, uh, Chinese, uh, grocery store. Grocery store. Oh, okay. That helps. Yeah. Well, that's that's a start. Yeah. That's that, that helps. It's interesting because I'm thinking like you were saying that there aren't there, there was like literally no Chinese people or Chinese people in mm-hmm. Utah, but mm-hmm. why they would have a Chinese immersion program there, you know? Because I think that when they do that, it, I thought it's yeah. because if they have a big Chinese speaking community in that state or in that city, then mm-hmm. that's why they see the need to have a Chinese immersion program. But I guess it's nationwide, right? I mean, this Chinese immersion program because yeah. you're, yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Wow. So mm -hmm. very interesting. Anyway, um, so now that you're in the States, but it's not Correct. like you've just you've just left Taiwan, you know, very briefly. What's what's it like living abroad? And and you were saying that you actually went through culture shock. Was that in the beginning, when you first uh, went to Utah back in 2012? Back in 2012, well, I think of uh, let's say some couple uh, culture shock. It's like okay, uh, like a like a classroom flipping like and now I'm like I'm the students but like I need to ask more questions which is very different teaching style compared to what I'm used to in Taiwan so that's a first control shock and then the second thing is I start to notice and realize my identities which I never thought like when in my early 20s like I'm from Taiwan you know and mm. then I would love like people to know this beautiful country like where I'm from and then you know what's the life there I start to notice like oh I should introduce to like the people who they don't know Taiwan or who they still confuse Thailand and Taiwan uh -huh. I got this question yes, a lot when still. I was in India uh, okay <laughs> yeah, yeah still yeah so, yeah, it's like yeah. So that's the things. And if a, if I say like a control shock in India would be like at the beginning, everyone think I'm crazy. You know, like I'm going to from the U.S. to India because I I even didn't uh, uh I just directly bought the flight from uh from New York and then fly to uh. Uh, flying to Pune in India uh -huh. to, as a teaching job. I, t I taught in uh, Flam University there for about a year. What were you teaching? You, teaching you were teaching Chinese? Correct. Yes, yeah, so oh, I teach Chinese. Wow. I taught Chinese language there at the Flam University in India. And uh -huh. I just think, you know, like, it would be cool to experience a very different culture, you know, as, like, when I was, like, I'm young, you know. Mm -hmm. So I... I think it's a quite an adventure to experiences like a life in India. I think oh, like people might say, oh, is it safe? It, like it might not be safe or like, but like lots of people would say like, oh, like they might just you know keep looking at you, you know, or mm -hmm. keep looking at women. But mm -hmm. I noticed like actually it's not true because when mm -hmm. you're there, like they know you, you are a foreigner. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so they actually just look at you like they are curious about, like, you know, where are you from, you know, like, mm -hmm. so it's actually, it's now they are not respect or they, it's just like the way they are curious about who you are, you know, mm -hmm. like in our town, you know. Mm -hmm. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. This is Shirley Lin, and I'm speaking with Joyce Hong, or Yi Chao Hong, the founder of Journey by Chinese. She's also a visiting program scholar at Penn State University teaching Chinese. Now, India, is that a place that you would want to go back and visit again? I think I would be more interested, like, around it, India, like mm -hmm. a Nepal or like a <laughs> Bhutan, like... Yeah. Because I feel you've already time, been, so. <laughs> yeah, I already been, and then I went. My mom and my auntie, like, they like, actually they like, didn't come to visit me in the U.S., but they like, actually went to visit me when I was in India. India. <laughs> because 
because I said, you know, like India is close, like you know, just like probably seven or eight hours, and then, and then yeah. if if our if my daughter is not there in India, I probably would not visit India. Yeah, so true. you know, we need to take we need to take this opportunity to yeah, visit her. That's right. So. They had a good time. My yeah. uh, my family had a good time there to experience this culture and mm. this country. What do you miss about Taiwan now that looks like? Well, of course, you're not <sighs> quite sure. I mean, you just recently got married, and congratulations, by the way. But Thank um, you. yeah, so actually, you're not quite sure whether you're gonna be like you know settling in the states, you know, long term mm. or. You're gonna be moving back to Taiwan in a couple of years' time、mm. or whatever. But for now, I mean, what do you miss、yeah. about Taiwan? When I was younger, I missed food,、mm-hmm. but now I know how to cook. So、uh-huh. at this moment, I think I think I miss the convenience in Taiwan. Oh yeah, yeah. Like every couple blocks, you could walk into Seven Eleven, even、yeah. just enjoy the aircon, or <laughs> you know, it's or like you could grab a drinks. It's just like so convenient, right?、And、well, where you are, Pennsylvania, do you have to drive everywhere? There's no, not that much、uh, public transportation. So we have.、Uh, I'm at a state college town, and then people here call it as a happy valley. And、oh. actually, I do notice like the level of the happiness is like、uh, rising up for me. <laughs> so because here, like. The air quality is nice, and then、mm. like it's huge, you know.、Mm. And then, but it's not very convenient when you don't have a car.、Mm. So probably actually, uh, two two weeks ago, we just bought our secondhand car. It's、okay. a Honda, and then it's just like we need the convenience of like being able to, you know, yeah, to go somewhere. Yeah.、All、right. Oh, but you probably need two cars, right? No. Because、uh, your husband、uh, Dean, he works from home, or he has also traveled to get to work. So he works online. So、okay. uh, now he has different projects going on. So basically, he could work anywhere. Right. right. If he want to work from home or going to office with me. So yeah, it's、oh, okay. he he quite enjoy the life like here to、yeah. working online. What else do you miss about Taiwan? I think I miss the. I'm be able to like if today I want to go to the beach or today、mm. I want to go to a mountain, it could happen just in an hour. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's also But, a- another kind of convenience. Yes, yes, that is、yeah. so true. So I, I think actually, I think、uh, my husband didn't like he actually. How to say? Like he helped me to relearn or like、uh, to get to know Taiwan in a different perspective,、mm-hmm. you know. Because I was so used to like what I have in Taiwan,、yeah. but when I was with him, and then like、uh, like he was just like like he's really fascinated by this country, you know,、yeah. the ability to go anywhere, the convenience and the food. He's a big fan of Ding Tai Fung, <laughs> <laughs> like. Yes, that's、uh, famous for these soup dumplings. Very, very famous, even for tourists,、yeah. right? In Taiwan, Ding Tai Fung. So、yeah. he must also miss Taiwan a lot. I think so. He <laughs> miss serving. You know, <laughs> like if you're in Taipei, it's easily to get to Wu、uh, Shigang in Yilan to serve、oh, or lay on the beach. Oh, surfing!、Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, hey, it was so much fun talking to you, Joyce. 
Yeah, me too. Really, yeah, I know this is really amazing. And good luck with your new married life. You know, so much <laughs> change. You. you know, got married and then moved to a different country and everything.、Uh, it's great learning from you. Just you know how much you love teaching Chinese. Personally, being a Chinese speaking person myself, I take it so much for、yeah. granted. And then I realized that you know, you know how you appreciate teaching our mother、mm-hmm. tongue,、yeah. and then being creative and everything about it. That's not easy, but it seems like you really love、yeah. what you do. So that is so、I、awesome.、Yeah. All right, thank well, you, thank so, you much. so much, Joyce. Let's stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.